Holy cow. What a night. Right, Stu? Oh, I mean, that was... Lots of fun. Oh, my gosh. What a great debate. Uh, oh. We cover this one six ways to Sunday. We also have Steven Crowder. We have Cheryl Atkinson on to talk about uh, the theft of the election, the 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 actual voting process with mail-in voting, George Soros. Then we have Don Jr. on. We have a way for you actually to make a difference. This is a full meal. Today, we're offering you all of it. Supersized. And you have a big special coming up tonight on Blaze TV. Isn't that true? Yes, it is uh, Civil War Part 3. This is the only place you will see the future. In their own words, what the left is planning beginning on election night. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. If you use the promo code Glenn Debates, is that still active? I think it is. Anyway, it you can is, save 20 bucks uh, off your membership to Blaze TV, and you can watch the entire special and the two previous episodes that lead up to this all there part of your membership as well as uh, access to Stu Does America and Steven Crowder and Mark Levin and Chad Prather and, and many, many others, Pat Gray, uh, everybody. Uh, check it out, get your membership, and of course, join us uh, if you have a moment on podcast as well to rate and review uh, this program. We would really appreciate that. Helps us spread the message of the show and do the same for Stu Does America where you can subscribe for a podcast every day uh, as well. Here's, here's today's uh, episode. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Very different than uh, your standard debate. Uh, as he was dressed as a fighter, and I always love to see those crotch shots up your shorts there, Stephen. It's great. It's definitely the best part of the coverage. (laughs) Oh, there's a a hell of an intro. They were regulation-sized boxing shorts, but I didn't realize they don't typically do the interview seated, and they don't have these disgusting Scottish American thighs. (laughs) Uh, Great show last night, Stephen. Um, Tell me your reaction uh, to the debate. Your thoughts? Uh, There were were really no winners, and and there, there was no moderator. So, I mean, that's kind of the summary. Here's what I would say on the issues, on the substantive issues. Um, I've been asking everyone, can you name me any any specifics from Joe Biden? So we'll go to the personality and the shouting match, you know, and kind of two guys with their walkers, you know, mm-hmm. and someone coming in with a folding chair. Look, the economy outside of raising the corporate taxes to 28 percent. Anything else? What about violence and riots in the cities? Yeah. Anything? Just stay out of the way. Right. Um, how about COVID? Aside from Donald Trump being racist. Anything? Anything specific. The only thing I can really remember is him saying that he didn't support the Green New Deal before he used the rest of his time defending it. And, of course, his <laughs> website does praise the Green New Deal. Right. Which, by the way, is a five-page bill that takes over the entire economy and all of your rights. So if you ever had any doubt as to who was pulling the strings with Joe Biden, as to who the puppeteers, it's it's the, the, the Harris's, the AOC's, the squads of the world. And he was really veering to the social justice left. Outside of that, I don't think... Uh, I don't think Trump did a, a great job in giving Joe enough rope to hang himself. Exactly Joe, right. Right. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, Joe just needed to leave him alone with his thoughts. Yeah. And or, he can't find them. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I got it in you someplace. Uh, <laughs> Stephen, uh, last night we were watching it and we were talking and I don't think people really understand and I'm going to. I have Cheryl Atkinson on uh, next hour, and she, we're going to talk about what the press is doing and also what social media is doing and preparing 
people for, uh, unbeknownst to them, of the silencing of voices once this election happens. If you disagree with the mainstream media, you're going to be silenced. How real do you think it is if this election goes awry, your voice, my voice, just not going to be able to get out? Oof, I don't know if we won't be, they won't ban people like us. And that's the thing, people, sort of like with the media, people say, well, why don't you talk about Rachel Maddow? Listen, come on, when you, when you have an, an open lesbian with the Princeton number three boys haircut out there talking about how Donald Trump is Satan incarnate, that's the, right. I don't really have a, I don't have any gripe with her. She is who she is. My issue is with the lies by omission, is by people trying right. to act objective. And so my problem with social media is, if they say, well, we're not going to ban, we want all voices, and then they change the rules and they do things behind the scenes that right. limit your reach. Something hilarious. Do you know I was? Fa- do you know that I was fact checked early on in the COVID pandemic because we had friends at Origin Maine who had made masks, and uh, at this point, the CDC was saying, don't wear masks. It's actually worse for you. And I went on air. I just said, hey, listen. The truth is, if you look at the science in these countries, if you happen to be sick yourself or you feel the sniffles and you're working in close proximity with someone else, this was before the lockdowns. I said, may not be a bad idea. To use one of these cloth ma- cloth masks. It's not an N95 mask. It won't prevent you from from breathing in any actual respiratory droplets or any aerosols. But uh, yeah, if you feel sick. And we were fact-checked because at that point, they said masks are bad for you. Yeah. And these people are the <laughs> ones in control. <laughs> I know. The same thing happened with us. I said, if it doesn't work, then why are all the people in the hospital wearing them? If they don't well, work, of course, of course they work to some degree. Uh, well, but see, anyway. your problem there, Glenn, is you're looking to medical perfect, uh, professionals who are actually serving patients as opposed to the experts like Fauci who haven't served a patient or taken care of anyone for four decades. You have something coming up on Friday that I cannot I can't wait for. Uh, you are taking your show and you're going to uh, hold a Michigan rally on the steps of the state capitol. Uh, and yeah. you're demanding what? Well, we're going to have a hashtag. We're going to have a call to action for people. And we're going to have thousands of signs that Michiganders can put in their yard. Let, let, let me kind of tell you where this comes from. I'm, a, I'm from Michigan. I was born in Detroit. I lived there for years. We only recently moved away from Michigan. We still have a home up there, a small home, a cottage on a lake that we go to. I have a 97-year-old grandma in Michigan. I have several family members and uh, good friends who are nurses who, of course, have been laid off or furloughed in Michigan. And if I have to see one more god-awful sign that says, thank you, Governor Whitmer, for keeping keeping us safe. Let me be really clear here. The only leg that Governor Whitmer has to stand on in Michigan is that she locked everything down, irreparably destroyed the Michigan economy to keep people safe. She actually enacted policy that has directly led to the death of the most vulnerable citizens in Michigan, the the sick and the elderly, and she has refused to give an account, to give a tally, and to be transparent about what kind of results her policies have created? What do you mean she's? We have ref- some information. What do you mean she's refused to give a count? Yeah, well, she gave out a count that said 34% of all deaths come from nursing homes. Uh, that's not even close. That comes from less than a tenth of the actual homes that are licensed in Michigan. And we have some numbers that we're, we're waiting to verify, Glenn. I don't want to speak out of turn. We should have them by Friday or not because the governor has said she doesn't have to respond to requests for information to which we're legally entitled because it's a pandemic. Oh, how convenient is that? But uh, th- there are some numbers here that are startling. Here, Here's the thing, too. It's going to be in Lansing. I should be clear here. Probably if I'm going to be plugging it right October 2nd uh, on the state capitol steps at noon. If you want to protect old people, 
Glenn. If you, and we all do, this is the thing, Republicans want to protect the most vulnerable among us. If you want to protect the sick, you would do the exact opposite of what Michigan has done. What do I mean by that? Let's say you lock everything down. Is it any safer for an 80-year-old two months from now when they come out? No. It's the exact same situation. You don't quarantine the healthy, you quarantine the sick. And instead, in Michigan, they quarantine the healthy, by governor's order, by the way, and Republicans presented a bill to stop this and she vetoed it. But let's go through the first step. The governor quarantined the healthy, the entire state, while sending not old people back into nursing homes, right, who were sick, who went to the hospital, got COVID, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds who had COVID into nursing homes and adult foster homes what? and homes for the aged. Yeah, you saw that video of that, uh, I, I don't, the, the gentleman beating up the 85-year-old who eventually yeah, yeah. ended up killing himself? That's because the guy had COVID. So they sent the paranoid schizophrenic, who, by the way, his own dad said had no business being in a nursing home. And Governor Whitmer said, well, you know what? We have fail-safes in place that'll stop uh, these people from getting into, uh, into nursing homes and cross-contaminating. You couldn't stop a crip in the making from beating up grandpa. Keep in mind, in these nursing homes, the class has been on the rise by like 52% because old ladies get around slowly, literally, but figuratively very quickly. <laughs> this is a problem. If they can't control that, how are you going to stop people who go in there with COVID? It's the only state that I know of that has done it, and they have not given an actual account of what the death total is. It's not even close to 34%. So what they're, they're saying is what it. they're saying is 1,947 nursing home residents and 20 staff members died of COVID-19. Those account for one one third of all virus deaths in Michigan. Is it worse okay, than me- that? <laughs> Sorry, I sound evil because I'm thinking of Governor Whitmer. It's not even close, Glenn. It's not even close. That number comes from 442 nursing homes. There are over 4,000 currently active. Oh, my gosh. And I thought, Glenn, I thought, now, there. to be clear, that's not even the worst part. They're comparing it to Indiana, to Illinois, to other states that have comparable rates, right? You go, well, okay, it's somewhere around 30%. Those numbers, 30%, 32, 33, depending on the state of all deaths in these other states, come from nursing homes, assisted living facilities, homes for the aged, and adult foster homes. Governor Whitmer is including that 34% total of all Michigan deaths from 400 and 42 homes, and there are many, many thousands. You would have to assume there was not a single death in any of the others, and we're going to have some more official numbers on Friday, but it is, when I was looking into this, Glenn, I was saying, first off, it's my home state. It should be the best state in the union. It's beautiful. The natural resources voted uh, most beautiful national park, several years running Sleeping Bear Dunes, and it has been brought to its knees by Wuhan Whitmer. So when I started looking into these numbers, Thank you. When I started looking into these numbers, uh, I thought I must be wrong uh-huh. or this is really deeply evil. And, and then I had to say, why? Why would she do this? Like, what is the reason to send 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, non-nursing home patients into those homes with COVID? Well, here's the thing. Let's look back there. What did everyone say before this pandemic, Glenn? What did we have to do? We had to protect. We had to flatten the curve. Right. Instead, they flatlined grandpa. They said we had to flatten the curve. You know what they did? They said, look, 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 look. Our hospitals are not overburdened here in Michigan. Toss them in the old folks home. So Governor Whitmer can go out and claim that she flattened the curve because 25 percent. Keep in mind, Glenn, 25 percent of all deaths in any given month come from nursing homes and assisted living facilities. So at that point in time, 
they can say, which was the most important, right? This was the most important point in their multi-pronged approach to fight COVID was flatten the curve. Well, they did flatten the curve in Michigan. You have record layoffs and furloughs for nurses. And instead we have a debt. We sent these sick people to nursing homes like a buzzsaw. I don't know how you justify it outside of optics. And now she wants to launch an investigation into President Trump for not doing enough with COVID. Okay, Governor Whitmer, you first, and you didn't not do enough. You did too much. You enacted policies that directly led to the death of American citizens. And anyway, if we're going to find common ground, Let's find common ground on the truth. You should have the far right, far left, and every centrist in between right now say, hey, you know what? We may not agree on the policy going forward, even if I agree with a full lockdown or I think we should reopen our economy. We certainly are entitled to knowing how many people actually died as a result of these policies. If you are not interested in that, you are not interested in the truth. And we are going to have signs that you can put up right next to those. Thank you, Whitmer, for keeping us safe. And I'm very happy with them. I want to hold this little authoritarian that could accountable. What, I will what be are the in signs? Backyard. What are the signs saying? Can I? I'll, I'll, I it, you know what it has okay, to do. With, that's all right, it has that's to do with Whitmer. Okay, it has to all do. Right, all right. I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's in Michigan, and it has to do with Whitmer. <laughs> okay. This rally is going to be noon on Friday, October second, at the Michigan Michigan State Capitol in Lansing. Uh, I mean, I want to put one of the signs in my yard, and I live in Texas. Um, uh, go if you are anywhere near Lansing. Go and see and and uh, be with uh, Stephen Crowder to hold this, as he said, authoritarian wannabe. Hold her feet to the fire. This if if those what you're saying, if you have the numbers and they are much, much worse. This is I mean, this is um, I mean, this is this is just slaughtering people. It's slaughtering people for for political reasons. And what happened to trusting the experts? The experts said, we can't handle these people in these homes. She said, sure you can. They said, no, we can't. And then you saw these deaths. And then you saw that video of that guy getting beaten up. They couldn't prevent a young, known, criminally insane person from beating up an old man. How do you think they're going to quarantine people yeah. in the same building, which they had no interest in doing? All right. Uh, Stephen, thank you so much. Um, he'll be there 11 a.m. Eastern time, uh, handing out signs, live streaming the rally on YouTube.com slash Stephen Crowder. Also, BlazeTV.com and Stephen's Facebook page. That is noon Eastern on Friday, the Michigan. Michigan State Capitol in Lansing. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Cheryl Atkinson is with us. And Cheryl, uh, this is going to be called a conspiracy theory. Uh, I'm sure you're aware of the the transition uh, group that the the left has put together that is they're plotting different scenarios uh on on really how to throw the country into chaos uh and how to negotiate a win for joe biden by in their own words encouraging uh, washington oregon and california to secede well i don't think that's going to happen and I think some people would welcome that if it did, by the way. <laughs> but, I, but, but I do think, well, you know, Lanny Davis got on Twitter the other day and said, this is former or the current, I guess, Hillary Clinton confidant yeah. friend mm-hmm. and said something like New York, California, we, we ought to just 
we're going to leave. And a lot of people tweeted back, like, please be my guest. How soon can you go? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, but but I, I agree that, that you know, I, I heard, it again, in 2016, something that some of my contacts on the right were saying was that the left accuses us, they mean the yep. right, of doing everything that they did. And I just thought, I kind of chuckled, like, oh, that's kind of a funny saying, but I didn't really think of it as literally true until now you look at their refusal to accept the outcome of the election, which mm-hmm. they're, you know, accused Trump of mm-hmm. doing in 2016 and now again in 2020. And then I get chills when I think about Ukraine, accusing Trump of interfering with Ukraine when they knew some months before that this was probably going to come up. Yep. Because of what Biden and his family had been involved in, which right. was exactly what they accused Trump of doing, only their, exactly. their deeds were documented and acknowledged versus the sort of accusations, the generic accusations that turned out not to be true against Trump, although he was impeached for it. And yeah, I just go back to this, the friend who said that, and I'm like, you're kind of right. You're proving yeah. right. So when they say something, a lot of times it makes me now think, okay, what have they done that they may be trying to deflect from or what are we going to learn you know, that, that they did do? When I was uncovering the Tides Foundation back in 2008 and George Soros, that's what I told my team. They will self-diagnose. Whatever they accuse us of, they're doing. Uh, because you yeah. recognize disease in people because of you. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, they're probably doing this because that's the way you behave. And they can't help themselves. They always self-diagnose. This is what's happening, uh, but it's actually happening on their side usually. Um, the uh, the New York Times, let me see if I can find this, came out uh, today, uh, or this was yesterday, about disinformation in the 2020 presidential election. And they say election misinformation, the, the biggest category of election misinformation, uh, is the mail-in ballots that th- there's going to be a problem with the mail-in ballots. And the other one is uh, George Soros, the investor and Democratic uh, donor. There's so much misinformation about him. We continue to get flagged all the time. When I, when I say things like George Soros is investing in district attorneys and he is trying to change things by changing the system from within at the local and the state level. That's all proven. How is that a conspiracy theory? Agreed. Because if you don't dig in the way you have, it sounds crazy. It sounds far-fetched. And I thought so, too, you know, at one time before I looked at some of the details. And most people don't have time to look into it, and they can't believe that stuff, you know, the stuff can be connected or how it's connected. I mean, the mail-in ballots, and I wrote about this at length and slanted, how can the media fact-check in advance the future? You had people fact-checking as false Donald Trump's prediction that there would be fraud with the mail-in ballots. Right. And I'm like, how do you, how do you false fact-check something that hasn't occurred yet that you have no idea what, what's going to happen? Right. And then you, you follow the money, um, and you find out that, you know, the fact-checks, let's say in the case of Google doing a fact check mm-hmm. or, you know, taking down information and they're owned by Alphabet, which is one of the biggest contributors to Joe Biden's campaign. When you look at, you know, employees by company right. and they were the biggest contributor to Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, I believe, and or one of the biggest in 2016. 
And then you start looking at all the fact checks. And this, is, again, sounds conspiratorial until I looked into it for an article I wrote for Real Clear Investigations. So many fact checkers, and particularly the board at the supposedly independent board at Facebook, <laughs> have connections to Soros groups. Oh, yeah. And I, I started getting chills when I looked. I'm just like, ah, oh, maybe a couple of these people will have links to Soros. One works no. directly for the Soros organization. Yeah. And I think all but one or two out of, you know, more than a dozen had worked with these groups he's founded and funded or paid for or gotten money. It's just he it's a, he, so much money out there. The odds are that if you're looking at any kind of advocacy on the progressive side, it's been touched by money from a Soros group. And what is what, what is your opinion on Soros? Why does he do it? People say to me all the time, he's a capitalist. He's a rich guy. Why would he want to destroy capitalism, the free market system? Why would he want to do these things? I don't know. I can only assume, and I just don't know, that he's a real believer in these causes. But it seems like the way he funds a lot of them, he's giving away his fortune. He's doing something that's not benefiting himself financially in a direct sense. So he must believe in it. But it does tend to be disruptive in terms of a chaotic, sort of throwing chaos into the mix, trying to... um, it creates confrontation, the types of groups and the causes that he takes on and the way that he takes them on. My objection is not so much with him because what he's doing appears to be perfectly legal, but it's so successful in a sneaky way of getting the media, I blame us, to report things a certain way and not scratch beyond the surface and to pretend that mm-hmm. things that we see are you know, majority opinion because somebody says it is or because they want us to think we all should feel a certain way. The media is not doing a good job at sorting through these ties so that we can at least give information in a neutral sense and with context and not just pick up these narratives that are being pushed out by big money interests in these second and third hand ways that people are completely unaware of. Let me go back to the um, story in the New York Times and ask you what it means. Uh, the, the story in the New York Times is about uh, how misinformation, false misleading information about this election has got to be curbed. And I'm going to give you the the leading categories mentions. This is from the New York Times mentions of absentee voting or ballots, such as the false idea that it is an unreliable way to vote. That's their first uh, misinformation. Is is that even close to true that it's not an unreliable way to vote when you're throwing away sometimes up as much as 30 percent of the ballots? Well, certainly they're not in a position to state as if it's a fact that they've somehow disproven or established that it's, you know, not an unreliable way to vote or that they're saying it's completely reliable. They can't. This is my problem with the fact checks. That's not really a fact check. That's an opinion. Yeah. That's a prediction. That's a claim that they're making, but they're presenting it as if it's a founded fact. And, and then I look at the big picture. How many things have the New York Times been wrong about? You can go look at my media mistakes in the era of Trump and see how many times they're on the list for completely false information and reporting, whether by accident or on purpose doesn't matter. But then they want to be the arbiters right. of misinformation for the 2020 ballot issue. Number two, they say is misinformation, mentions of voter fraud, such as mentions of misleading stories about criminal conduct in, involving mail-in ballots. Uh, well, you know, I if mean, there's criminal conduct, and there has been, I've been tracking some of those stories, 
again, this is a new notion of fact-checking, the idea that you shouldn't, and this is very Orwellian, that we should be censoring facts off the top, even when true, because we don't want people to conclude a certain thing about the facts they hear. That's just crazy. That's just not, you know, facts are facts, and you're not supposed to, like, shape and curb them or claim that they're somehow illegitimate if they're true, just because you don't like the outcome or what people might conclude from them. But that's quite the trend. So the, the book that comes out around Christmas time or Thanksgiving, um, the, the subheadline is how the news media taught us to love censorship and hate journalism. We're in real trouble, Cheryl, if we can't get the facts out. And if the public square, Facebook, uh, Google, everything else shuts people like you or discredits people like you or even me, if we can't have opinions and and a different look at different facts that are not being reported and we have the documents, we're over. We're over. Well, that's that's my biggest concern. And I agree that even, you know, I've had pieces of mine that are completely 100 percent factually supported, no opinion, no conjecture in it on my part, both sides represented, fair, not controversial, flagged as fake on Facebook. By it turns out people that are conflicted, if you if you can even find out who's doing their fact checks, they're people yeah. connected to the story. And I I worry, as I say in Slanted, that in in the dis, not too distant future, like my child will hearken back to her kids that there was a time when you could get all kinds of unfettered information on the Internet because we're re- reaching a time where you can't and you won't be able to search and come up with true information about topics you care about because someone will have decided off the top, you know, in the beginning when they were saying, don't wear masks, that's all you would have been able to find because Google made a partnership with the world health organization to direct your searches to who and who was wrong Mm -hmm. by their own admission. If you know, today, if you want to take their word for it. So they're deciding to direct you, these third parties, corporate and political interests, to information they want you to see and they're keeping you away from what may be true information they don't want you to see think about that you know it's it's very frightening is there is there free speech if if your voice my voice others are relegated to our own websites uh and we cannot advertise or put anything out into the public square do we really have free speech in america it's a good question. And I, I'm kind of redefining censorship. People say, well, you're talking about censorship, but those are social media companies and it's the news. And I'm arguing they're so inextricably tied now to government. For example, when yes. Adam Schiff can call Facebook and say, take down the story on vaccine safety, because whoever I'm assuming pays him or donates to him doesn't like it. And then Facebook does it. I think that's, you know, that becomes government censorship reaches into a whole new definition. And I I think that's what we're seeing. And if, if this isn't dialed back, there may be some people who are perfectly happy to have their news curated and their information sorted through, but obviously they're not thinking down the road of, well, someday it's not going to be the people you want to do it, who are doing it. You know, just think about the consequences. Once you open the door, the slippery slope to allowing people to tell you what you ought to see and think versus you being able to decide for yourself if you'd like to. Cheryl, thank you so much. Always great to talk to you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Glenn. That's uh, Cheryl Atkinson. Uh, The name of her book is out for pre-order. We'll have her on to talk about her book sometime. 
but it's uh, called Slanted. You can order it now. She is she is somebody he used to be on 60 Minutes. I mean, is an actual journalist who's telling the truth. That's uh, great to have her on. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Donald Trump Jr. joins us now to give us his thought of the uh, uh, the debate last night. And Don, I I don't know why your uh, father won't answer for the 847th time. Why, uh, you know, why, how bad the KKK is. I mean, he did issue an executive order last week saying that they were a terrorist group. But why are you holding Klan rallies in the White House? Hey, um, Glenn, you, you just can't make it up anymore. I, I, he and by the way, he answered this, the question twice. I know he did. Last night. The problem is they weren't talking about that. They were talking about Antifa. So I think he was trying to figure out what the heck he's even talking about. Joe Biden doesn't have to denounce Antifa. He can pretend, you know, it's an, it's an idea, Glenn. It's an idea that magically burned down half the cities in this country that are looting and rioting, that are literally killing people. You know, it, it, it's an idea. Like, this is the double standard by which we go again. So Donald Trump can literally call the KKK a terrorist organization. Donald Trump can actually do things to fix the African-American community, like prison reform, opportunity zones. Joe Biden gets to talk about it for 50 years, not do anything, have his own vice presidential candidate essentially call him a racist during the debates, be friends with the biggest segregationist in the world, push for crime bills that destroyed so many in the African-American community. But, but it's Donald Trump. I mean, this is sort of the, the, the insanity that that Chris Wallace wouldn't push back on a question to tell Joe Biden to denounce Antifa. I mean, they've waited six months to denounce Antifa, but no one talks about it. And that's the problem. That's why Donald Trump right. needs to be out there, needs to be that aggressive. You know, it's not the tone we'd all love. We, we get that. We, we, this is, but when you're up against that sort of onslaught, it's insane. I mean, when we last spoke, I talked about it a little bit, but like, it's actually very personal to me. Because these ass you know, clowns you know, spent three years trying to throw me in jail. You know, they, they tried to say that I was colluding with Russia and doing it. But now we hear that Hunter Biden is actually that guy. There's treasury wires that confirm that Hunter Biden took money from a known associate of Vladimir Putin, the wealthiest woman in Russia. Guess what? You don't become the wealthiest woman in Russia without associations with Vladimir Putin. And they won't talk about it. This is the dream Glenn, that if I'd have done it, this is what they were looking this for. This is for what years. They, this is uh, everything and, and they that they everything that yeah. they accused you, your family, your father of, they themselves have done. Hillary Clinton, the news came out yesterday that Hillary Clinton, uh, uh, Comey, uh, Bremer, who else was involved? Peter Strzok. They all yeah, knew. Strzok, uh, Page, McCabe. They all knew. They all lied about it. The ones that actually didn't lie about it before Congress still went on TV for two years after their sworn congressional testimony saying exactly the opposite, you know, because they can get away with it. And that's the problem. So when people are like, well, he's very aggressive, I was like, he has to be. Look at the hypocrisy he's had to deal with. I mean, Hunter Biden has now a tie, a direct tie to Vladimir Putin and Russia. And you don't think they would use that over crackhead Hunter? Like, you don't think that we need leverage over Joe Biden uh, later on in life that they... You know, same with China. You know, yes, no one's ever heard of Hunter Biden. He's never been an investor. He's never done any of those things. The Chinese government just gave him a billion dollars because, you know, they thought he was going to be really good. Come on, man. Like, that's, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, you it's like insane. you're using. I love that. We the... can't talk about it. 
you're using the uh, Biden. Come on, man. Come on, oh, man. man. I mean, that's, that's his answer for everything. So he wasn't pushed on any policies. He didn't have to articulate it. He's <laughs> able to say he doesn't support the Green New Deal, even though it's on his Web page. Uh, and he gets the best of all worlds. Then Chris Wallace you know, lets him speak for two minutes. But the problem with that, they're like, they're like well, Trump interrupted him. Like, you can't let the guy lie. Like just things that are just demonstrably false. Uh, he he denied that Hunter Biden got those payments. Uh, he said it's all above board. He denied that he had the thing that he's on videotape, essentially bribing Ukraine with aid. I mean, he, he lie after lie after lie for minutes. And my father's not supposed to get involved. He's not supposed to interrupt. And then when it's done, well, sir, you already had your chance to answer that question. It's like, well, I'm not supposed to retort to just never ending lies. And that's been the story of this presidency. The media has chosen to be the marketing arm of the Democrat Party. And Chris Wallace is no different. Everyone's always oh, from Fox. It's like, does anyone really believe Chris Wallace is a conservative? Like, give me a break. Right. Uh, you know, I, I saw last night and I thought this was the choice in front of America. They were talking about COVID and Biden was talking about masks and safety. And your dad was talking about opening the country up, trusting people yeah. with with to make the right decision and open things up. And at one point, your dad said, people want their life back. They want to re be able to live yeah. their life. And Biden immediately after said, they want to be safe. And I thought, that's really the argument here. A big government that keeps you safe from everything except for them uh, and yeah. freedom. That's the deal. Well, but what, what's, what's safe, Glenn, when your business goes out? Uh, when when you, you lose your job because you, you, the company that employs you can't stay in business because of an artificial mandate that's ridiculous. You've seen Florida and conservative states have treated it differently. They have less death rate than New York, which went a much more extreme lockdown while destroying businesses. But the real problem is the left doesn't care if they destroy your business. You may become dependent on big government. That's a win for them in the long run. If you're independent, if you're successful, if you don't need big government, like the left, all this, it doesn't offer you all that much. So that's part of the problem. This notion that, you know, well, we're going to keep you safe. Well, they, I don't know. Andrew Cuomo didn't keep New York safe and he destroyed the economy. Hmm. Ron DeSantis down in Florida, a Republican governor, has an older population, a larger population, a fraction of the death rate. Uh, and he didn't destroy the economy. When they talk about the economic numbers and the rebound there, Glenn, they say, well, the economy is doing pretty good. They've rebounded like never before. They don't even talk about that. Well, how about New York, California, Michigan, Pennsylvania, major states? They're not even back into the economy yet. And it's already doing well because Donald Trump built a fundamentally great economy. The fundamentals are there. These guys would love to shut them down forever. It's ridiculous. And by the way, they don't even talk about the notion of when you lose your job, when you lose your home because you can't go to your job, when you end up in a divorce, when you start drinking heavily and taking drugs and the suicide rate that ensues. They don't talk about that. No, he was... His never-ending shutdown policy for nothing would probably do much more damage than anything COVID would do yeah. at this point. I, I will tell you, your father answered that question, I thought, perfectly, perfectly. Um, stop with this fake, you know, uh, is there somebody at your table that, you know, is missing a chair or whatever the hell he was. And your father put compassion in its rightful place. Yes, we care about those people. But what about everyone else whose life has been destroyed? Um, let me uh, let me ask you about um, accepting the uh, the election. In, in my opinion, I think most Americans 
like the peaceful transfer of power. Your father pointed out there wasn't a peaceful transfer of power for the first time under Obama. They were attacking him and plotting against him. And now we have the evidence. Um, but yeah. we want a trans. We want a, a peaceful. And I will accept what the people vote for as long as it's not dirty. And I've actually I, heard people I say 100 percent. I've heard people say, hey, Nixon walked away, even though he knew it was dirty in Chicago. Well, uh, and what's your point? If it's dirty, it's got to stop. And I'm not I Correct. won't on this at this point. I won't accept something that's dirty unless the American people want to choose that. Then God help us all. But uh, I, I agree with you 100 percent. I mean, all, all we want is a fair election. But you see what's going on. You saw what was going on in Pennsylvania and the magical ballots all of a sudden disappearing. Uh, you know, they, they try to conflate the issue of absentee voting in states that have been doing it for years with a new brand new system in a state that's never done it, where they're going to send out 360 million ballots to every American in the world. and hope that someone's honest. The Democrats are now pushing to make sure that the signature does not have to match. So the Jeez. signature on the ballot doesn't have to match the registered voter who's apparently voting that way. I mean, Glenn, can you give me one possible reason why the signature wouldn't have to match? No. Unless you were planning on cheating? Of course not. No. So we want free and fair elections, but that's not what the Democrats want. It's not what they're doing. And the problem is, in many of these states, the Republicans sort of roll over uh, to their asinine rules that will allow them to create a system in which they cheat. I mean, look at just what's going on uh, in the last couple of days with uh, James O'Keefe and what he broke with Project Veritas um, on the stuff in Minnesota yeah, in Elon did, Omar's district. Did you hear I mean, that? The, they have videotape of people buying ballots. But you the New York Times reported today that that was a setup, that that didn't show anything illegal. That's the New York Times yeah. today. It's a setup. The guy's saying, I'll sell you the ballots for $200 and you can fill them out how you want. That's a setup. You know, that, that's like Nancy Pelosi saying the hair salon set her up. Uh, guess what? If you're able to get up, if you're number three in line for the nuclear codes and you're set up by your hair salon, maybe we should rethink your position in government. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But that's the problem. The Democrats can say that. And it's like, oh, 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 it's a setup. Oh, wonderful. Everyone toes the line. Everyone buys the sound bites. Like I said, I, if I'd have done a fraction of what Hunter Biden did, I'd be sitting in jail right now calling oh, yeah. you from a payphone feeding quarters from Riker. Right. And your okay. father would, your Hunter father Biden would be impeached. Your father would be impeached. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. And prob and rightfully so, by yeah. the way. Impeached and removed if from was, office. If I was yeah. raking in money from foreign governments with money tied to child trafficking and prostitution rings, I mean, this is real. And Joe Biden can get on stage. Oh, that's been debunked. No, no, it hasn't. There's a wire from the U.S. Treasury, Joe. But again, Chris Wallace doesn't say that. No, nope. he doesn't question it. You know how many people in media are talking about it today? Zero. Now, that didn't stop them from lying about me for three and a half years, running all sorts of wild conspiracy theories. CNN was doing it every day. I was in direct cahoots with Russia. I was a real estate guy before we got into politics. It's what I did. I looked at a deal. I took a meeting with someone who I looked at a deal with in the past. That's what you do. It's called maintaining relationships. Someone say, hey, can you take a meeting with my friend? Sure, you do it. Okay. Hunter Biden is taking money from a Putin associate. $3.5 million. For what services? What exactly is it that Hunter does and knows about Russia? What is it that he knew about energy in, in the Ukraine to get you know, 100 grand a month uh, in fees for a no-show job and a business he doesn't know anything about and a language he doesn't speak? Please, because I want some of these jobs, Glenn. I just have a feeling <laughs> if I had these jobs, I'd actually pay bigly for it. Um, let me, <laughs> uh, 
I think America, America feels like we're going to war with each other. Uh, and there's just this impasse. And it's because we're not talking about real things like real corruption and real yeah. fairness. Um, we're, we're being told that America is a racist nation. White people were born bad and they'll always be bad. All this stuff that is just absolutely yeah. anti-Christian, anti-Christ in a way, uh, and just destructive lies. They, yeah. um, we're going down this path. Tonight I'm doing a special on their war game. I'm, I'm reading their words their own words where they are talking about secession as one of the options if you're the, the label is if it's a clear trump victory what do we do and it's a whole a whole war game of the chaos that they're going to cause after election night I mean, are you- well, I, that seems to be their plan. I mean, you know, they, they don't have a ground game. They're not knocking on doors. They're not trying to be out there. They're staffing up legal teams uh, to challenge this later on. But that should be no surprise. They've been doing it to Donald Trump for four years. They haven't accepted the results of the 2016 election yet. Uh, you know, that's becoming more and more clear again. Now that we know it's the other side doing it, uh, all, all of a sudden there's no interest uh, you know, in, in that knowledge. But does this surprise you at all? The reality is this, like they, uh, they, they, talking last night you know, about results. Joe Biden's been there for 47 years. I can't name a single accomplishment of it other than shipping jobs to China. He was really good at that, destroying the American middle class and getting his family rich. But those aren't good things for America. You know, Donald Trump, whether people like his attitude or not, he has resolve. He gets things done. That's why we have peace in the Middle East. Another thing not even brought up in the Middle East. Another thing not even brought up because it's positive for Trump. How about ending the endless wars? Because a couple of generals want to end up on the board of Raytheon in a couple of years. Hey, you know what? I'll send your kids to die in Afghanistan for another 30 freaking years. Like, that's their plan. I've been in the room with my father when he's like, okay, guys, tell us why we're still there. Please. Well, sir, it's complicated. Okay, well, I'm the president. It's kind of a big deal. Like, tell me. Well, um, huh. Well, you know, the thing. It, it's asinine. They, they want to be on the board of Raytheon so they can, you know, stay in the war so you can make missiles. And that's how you get your board seat and your retirement package. That's what it is. So Donald Trump has the guts to take on the military industrial you know, establishment, the establishment from both sides. That is all part of that, you know, never ending game. When our own generals can't articulate why we're in wars for 25 years, that's problematic. And Donald Trump is the first guy to actually push back and get those things done. Why is Donald Trump the first guy funding you know, the task forces to prevent human trafficking and, and the child sex uh, trade that the Democrats seem almost in favor of at this point. When I'm looking at what's going on with cuties and all of this nonsense, they're literally normalizing pedophilia, Glenn. This is the evil of the other side. I mean, I, I came out against it really strongly. Now, I usually do that. So I'm, I'm pretty much all in on any issue that I, uh, I take up. And I figured, you know what, even in 2020, even with the divisiveness, you know what, this is an issue every American can agree, agree on. Turns out I was wrong. Right. <laughs> Turns out I was wrong. I had blue checkmark Twitter, liberal Twitter, trying to cancel me for being anti-pedophilia. Now, they're fine with anti-fa, which is not anti-fa at all. It's just fa, right? It's just <laughs> their fascist. Yeah. They're, they're actual fa. I mean, they're literally you know, taking every page out of the fascist playbook from the 40s and, and running with it. And they, But by calling themselves anti-fa, I guess... Uh, people are dumb enough to believe it, and the media will run with it as though that's the gospel, too. But, but I mean, think about it. I'm canceled by blue checkmark Twitter for being anti-pedophile. 
and, and the left is normalizing. No one's asked Susan Rice why she's on the board of Netflix and what her opinion on, is on this. I don't know what her qualification is, presumably none, other than she's an Obama lackey, so it's the, that's the payoff uh, for being Obama. No one's asking Obama, who's getting $100 million from Netflix, uh, if he's okay with this and thinks this is normal-type behavior. Uh, that's what we're up against. Right. And you know, that's why I appreciate Again, I know that it doesn't always rub people the right way, and I know you had issues with it in the past. But I think you would sort of understand now the, the no, onslaught I, that Donald Trump faces every day, which sort of I is do. why why he has to fight back hard. He's the only conservative actually fighting that way in government. You know, there's guys like us that are loud and vocal, but he's a guy that's actually a decision maker. Most of our guys, the second you have any sort of adversity, up they tuck tail and run. They roll over and die, mostly because the other side would like you to. I mean, that's not the way we fight. Don, uh, Don, I hate to cut you off, but uh, I have to. We have network uh, responsibilities. Thank you for being on. I understand. By the way, thank your father for everything he's doing on... uh, the sex crimes against children it, it he is remarkable on that nobody's talking about it he's done remarkable god's work on that and thank him for that william i'll i'll, I'll do that i appreciate it to make sure everyone you know everyone else that you can get understands it because it's such a big issue it's, yep. it's actually probably the thing i get the most applause with yeah uh when, when i'm on the road and and again so few people cover it and i just sort of wonder why no one in government why didn't obama buy i mean this yep. is this is a problem is all so, this time yep uh and no one will address it until donald trump did so thank you very much see it's getting done finally god bless thank you so much na, na, na.